0: Business Class is brought to you by the Tourism Academy, harnessing the power of science, business psychology, and adult education to advance the tourism industry and build sustainable economies. Learn how to engage your community, win over stakeholders, and get more visitors at TourismAcademy.org. Steve Ekstrom here, host of the Business Class podcast. Today's guest, Beth Gendler. Did I say that right, Beth? You did! Wow. Woohoo! President and I know, CEO right? at Gulf Shores and Orange Beach Tourism, right there in Alabama, with some of the most beautiful beaches in the country. I have to, I have to say, uh, I've been through there. So, welcome
1: to the show. Thank you. I appreciate being invited, and I appreciate you telling the world about our beautiful beaches because I definitely agree with you.
0: You know, it, it's funny. I was taking a look at your Instagram feed earlier, and there were some remarkably huge fish. Dotting the feed.
1: Okay, haven't seen our feed today. The last well, time I was it big... was rainy day activities. So, yeah. <laughs> but fishing is a big
0: deal down by you, isn't it?
1: Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, one of our board members owns a charter fishing company. So, yeah, redfish, snapper, um, tuna, of course, if you want to go offshore for overnight. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we just had a group of international media in and they went on a fishing excursion off of the Gulf State Park Pier. So, yes, yes, it is a big deal here.
0: <laughs> That's kind of fun. So um, you've been with the DMO, you just mentioned, for 21 years.
1: Yes. How I know. You I
0: describe your own personal growth over that time?
1: Yeah, well, first I wake up and think, how did 21 years pass already? And how do I still love coming to work every day? So <laughs> that, I, I guess, time flies when you're having fun is true, that old adage. Um, so I started here as our director of sales. I mean, When we started, um, we had less than 9,000 hotels and condominiums to rent here. We now have over 18,000. Our budget was under uh, under $2 million, just over a million. This year's budget will be $20 million. It, I mean, just the whole destination has changed. We've had, as we like to call them, tropical storms versus hurricanes. But we've had it all. You know, we've had hurricanes that have changed the face of our destination, a huge oil spill that has changed the face of our destination. And so with all that, we've all grown. All of our industry partners, all of our staff here. I mean, much smaller staff when I first started. Now we have forty full time employees, or nearly forty full time employees. And I, uh, I mean, just what I've done and how I've, how my career has expanded here, um, has been amazing. Starting out as director of sales for meetings and conventions, moving to after Ivan 2004, knocked down a bunch of our hotels that had meeting space. So we're like, okay, all these new things are coming on accommodation wise. What are we going to do to fill that space? Let's go after sports tourism. So starting our whole sports commission, hiring a team of people for that, moving to our VP of sales, um, then our CEO decided that he was going to retire after 28 years. Uh, He was our only CEO. Um, I'm only our second CEO. And I decided I would rather be the person leading the organization than have somebody come in from outside of the area and not understand what a wonderful destination it is. It's nothing broken here. Um, You know, it's, it's how do we just get to that next level? And really honor and appreciate what has happened here. So there you have it, long story longer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, who do, who do you look up to as as maybe some mentors in the industry?
1: So, I have to say Bill Burney was my first one of my first GMs and we talked about that back in our day. Um there really wasn't um degree in hospitality and if it was it was very hotel centric and that's where I started my career uh I started my career at um an independent hotel in South Bend Indiana and then moved to the big Marriott right next door and but Bill Burney was my first GM and I, I just I loved that man so much he just embodied what this business is and um I know, I remember he used to say to our, um, accounting person at the hotel, Hey, I'm going out of town. Don't go to best office and make her crazy. She's got a sales job to do. And you know, you numbers guys drive her crazy. So you got to stay away from her while I'm gone. Cause nobody here to, you know, mediate anything. So yeah, he was just, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, and he's retired since retired. He went to work at Notre Dame after he left the hotel. And, um, he was just a great mentor. And then Herb Malone here, uh, at our CVB, he, he and I are very different individuals, but we've always, for that 21 years, 19 years, we were together. We always appreciated each other. And I would go into him and seek advice because I needed a different opinion. He would call me into his office and say, okay, i I know you're going to tell me exactly what you think about this. And I need to hear that. I need to hear a different perspective. So tell, here's here's the situation. Tell me what you think about it. So um, it, it was definitely just a nice combination. of, And it's, it speaks to why you need different personalities and different strengths on your team. Everybody doesn't have to be the gregarious person. Everybody doesn't have to be the thinker. You need a, a good combination of both those things. So.
0: What is one trait you look for in all of your hires?
1: So we have a culture here at our organization, and we actually put it to pen and paper um, last fall and this year, uh, went through an uh, exercise with um, University of Auburn has a leadership program. We did that with our senior staff and then we took it to the rest of the staff for more feedback and tweaking. And so, you know, a set of core values and really they were in place anyway. They just were in this big, huge document that got very wordy and you did—you really couldn't live them because you couldn't remember the darn things. So we shortened it up. And um, I would say that is something that I think innately we all look for in our hires because it has truly been a part of our culture. You know, that, that culture that's going to take care of one another that is going to learn from each other that uh, that they want to do their best every single day and they don't rest on their laurels and all the while through all of the things that will happen in a beach destination or a mountain destination with fires. And I mean, you know, things happen, tornadoes everywhere. Um, but it's really about adaptability and it, it, it to our core values. It actually says, just never let them see you sweat, you know, keep it smooth basically. So.
0: How do you, how do you decompress in those moments when you're trying to make sure nobody sees you
1: sweat? So funny you ask, cause I'm in our conference room and earlier I had my, earbuds in and my Calm app on my phone playing rain music while I took some laps around the conference room. So uh, I, I think that you have to find all of us, right? And I'm a high energy person. I require a lot of different things to, to, go, to keep going. Um, in fact, so much so that I took a Perceptive index test not too long ago when I was using a company to hire our new VP of marketing and I had to take the test that everybody else is taking. And he, the owner of the company said, I feel sorry for your husband. So uh <laughs> <laughs> probably never a good thing. I think everybody has, and I have to, we all have to find our way of decompressing because stress is gonna hit everybody. Doesn't matter if there's an emergency going on or just a a lot of stuff on your calendar. Um, You just all, everybody has to find a way to do that. So, you know, it's go home, play with the dogs, have a glass of wine with your girlfriends, listen to rain music on your phone while you're walking around the conference room just to clear your head. Um, But you you can't, as much as you love your job and your career, there has to be some downtime. You can't think about it 24 seven because that is not That's not a good leader. That's not someone who is ever going to be able to see a different perspective or Uh hear what somebody else has to say.
0: You mentioned something, and that is about people on your team growing and and learning. And for us, before we tell folks that we're an education or training organization, you know, we're a learning organization uh, and we're constantly learning. How do you foster that ongoing professional development with your team? And and what do you think young professionals should, what skills do you think young professionals should develop to yeah. get into this business? Uh,
1: so I will, I'm gonna start with your first question. How do we foster that? We have budgetary dollars for formal training. So whether it be going to Destinations International or Public, Relation, Public Relations Society, professional I, PRSA. I think that's what it's called. Whatever it is, um, we have dollars for people. It's, it's accounting, it's HR, it's all of those things. There's, there's dollars in our budget set aside for professional development, which I think is important. Um, but I also think that at staff meetings and at department meetings and just in the conversations you have with your colleagues it's about listening learning asking why um, appreciating the work that's been done but never relaxing and set you know resting on your laurels and thinking about how how we've done a great job but what could we do better and always learning from all of that to you that whole continuous learning thing Um To answer your question about what people should, young professionals should learn to get into this business, I think if they knew the opportunities within our industry, they would be amazed. So I would start there. Like what is available within our company? We have a graphic designer and a content manager and a digital operations person and a PR person. We have two PR people. We have HR, we have accounting. I, so, I mean, we have Salesforce, we have people who service sporting groups and, and events and um, there's professional assistance within our organization. I I can't think of it. You know, you go to a car company, and you manufacturing company and you have the same job descriptions. So um, I think to learn this industry has a huge opportunity pool, basically. Um, and then deciding what their passion is. I always think, and I, and I, and I, Talk to our marketing department. All marketing department all the time. This is fun. We are literally selling fun. We are selling and marketing memories and family vacations and sports trips and girls getaways and I'm just you know have fun. It's a great fun industry.
0: In the in your course of time. With your organization, what stands out as maybe your most proud moment?
1: um so i have, there's so many i had I had to think about that, but <clears throat> we started our sports commission um, really just out of necessity, and um it it was interesting. I decided I would take it in the sales department. They were going to hire somebody else, start a whole separate organization. Our CEO at the time said, no, let's not fight over tax dollars, basically funding dollars. Let's bring it in house. So it became under the the sports commission or the sales department. And um, it went from... 8,000 room nights to last year over 130,000 room nights and a hundred million dollar economic impact. That's not the proud moment. The proud moment was, um, a few years ago when our, uh, our team won the, the sports ETAs tour, you know, sports commission of the year. And I saw three, uh, our VP who's now our VP, our director of sales at the time, our PR person for sports, and one of our sales managers up on that national stage, hugging each other. And so excited about the big win. That was, that was one of my proudest moments that, and I wasn't even there to see the pictures and I am not a crier by nature at all. And, um, again, another reason to be sorry for my husband, but, um, but, but uh, I mean, it brought tears to my eyes to know that they knew the scrappiness of this little organization that just won a national award. And I was just super proud of them.
0: How would you describe your management style?
1: I am very inclusive. Um, I, I, I'm very direct. Uh, you will never walk away with the co- from a conversation with me not knowing what I've thought, how I've thought. If you've asked me what I thought about how the performance was, or what or what the expectation is, um, I, uh, I there are two things that I tell people that come to work for me when I was our VP, when I was our director, and and even at this level. You'll never be surprised by your annual review. If there's trouble, we're going to talk about it long in advance and you'll know what the expectations are. We're going to figure out a plan to fix it. We're going to separate ways if you if we can't fix it. That's one thing I always tell people and I live by that and I've asked, and it's important that all of our managers here know that. That if somebody ends up at the end of the year with a bad review and they're shocked by it, that's the manager's fault and not the employee's, the other person's fault. Um, so... That's a big thing. But then also the other thing is I encourage people to settle differences. Should there be professional differences with each other? And I tell people, if you can't do that, then you get to come to me. But I get to decide the outcome and you may not like it. So I'm going to encourage you again to go figure out that problem yourself, which I think encourages communication and understanding. And um When people come and say things to me, I say, well, I think you should go talk to that person about it. Have you talked to that person about it? And I think those are really important. It it teaches people communication skills as well.
0: What do you see as maybe the next big challenge for an organization like yours to to tackle?
1: I think it's always going to be maintaining. Revenue that the destination is used to uh, garnering and this year will be a challenge for that because the world has opened and, um, as you travel around, you probably see that. You, you can now fly internationally and you can go to every big city. It's not just mountains and beaches that our people are going to, which did happen in 2021 and 22. Um, so I think that's always a challenge. But we are funded by bed tax. So I think our biggest challenge will always be being good stewards of that. of of those tax dollars um, and making sure that we are doing the best with uh, meeting our mission, which is to market the destination. That will always be the challenge. Not that it's not that it's a huge, it's not a hardship. It's always the goal. It's always the thought in your mind. How are we doing the best that we can? How can we do better? What's the next step?
0: What does stewardship mean to you?
1: Stewardship means that we are doing what we, uh, we were formed by an act of legislation 30 years ago. It's our 30th anniversary. And it was to market the Gulf Coast, the Alabama Gulf Coast as a destination for visitors. Um, But within our mission statement over the years, we have, Um, change that to make it sustainable because of the growth and um, to be good stewards and to um, provide a quality of life for all the residents that live and work here. And I think stewardship means doing all the things that you've said you're going to do, that your mission says you're going to do, doing it in the best way possible with the dollars that you're provided.
0: What is something you're looking forward to learning in the coming year?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I'm learning a lot because our VP of marketing retired. And I'm going through the process of hiring uh, a new VP. But in the meantime, I'm working very closely with our marketing department to do some big projects. And I am, I don't think I can learn any more this year. I'm still learning all of that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sales oriented by nature. I'm uh, not necessarily marketing, marketing oriented by nature and they're not, uh, mutually, you know, they are, they are not the same and no. there's just a ton of research that we do and use. And, and so I'm learning all of that and, it's been a great, it's been a great learning experience because you can, you know, you get a little bit of information, but now I'm getting down in the weeds of, you know, alike audiences. And I, so I'm, I'm thrilled uh, to learn that, but I, I think that that's, that's, that's my goal the year is to hire a great VP so I can stop learning all of that so intensely and just have a little bit of knowledge, enough to be annoying when they come on board, you know, like, hey, I remember that report. No, um, but yeah, I think that, that that's um, one of my biggest, um, biggest challenges. So, And
0: I'll, I'll wrap up with a, a question. How are you most like each of your parents?
1: Oh wow! Um, my mom was an extremely hard worker. Growing up, she always had two jobs. Not that I have a second job, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think they both installed a a, um, a work ethic in me that uh, I think has served me well and served the organizations that I've worked for well because um, I am a I am a doer. I I definitely am a doer and uh and I'll work hard at whatever needs to be done.
0: Is there anything I didn't ask that you wish I would?
1: No, I don't think so. I I enjoyed it and I appreciate the time with you. No problem. Is there anything you'd like to ask me? Oh, wow, yes, I do. So okay. you're traveling with your dog around the country. Um where yes. are you now? <laughs>
0: I am totally Uncle Buck. I'm I'm parked in my mom's front yard.
1: Oh my gosh! I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah I've got some and
1: repairs coming up to the to the RV, so um, okay. I'm, I'm somewhat stationary for the next month or so. What's been your favorite place you've been to? You don't have to say my destination. It's okay. <laughs> but, you know, I'll be uh, mad at you if you don't, but it's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'll I'll tell you, and, and yours is a beautiful destination. I'm glad I got to spend some time there. Um But one of the things that stands out to me, and I think all travelers can relate to this, it's the people that we meet. It's the people that we meet along the way. And it's those, you know, unexpected conversations. And it's the um you know, sitting down in a restaurant where I'm the only person that speaks my language or um, I went crawfish harvesting with somebody who I would probably never in in my life (laughs) sit down and share a meal with. Um, And I think that that as a travel experience and what makes all of that my favorite is the fact that it reminds us we have more in common than we do that separates us. Um, and, And that I think has been the, the, the favorite lesson, um, there are, of course, places that you, know, you can't compare the beauty of, you know, the beaches by you and the natural outcroppings in Utah or Acadia National Park. You know, you, you can't really compare those because they're all special in their own way. But uh, favorites, the people I meet along the way.
1: I I completely agree, even if it's just dining out at a restaurant and talking to a family or standing in the Mm. Walmart line talking to somebody. They're awesome, and Mark Twain was certainly right about that, wasn't he?
0: He certainly was. It's uh, What is it? Travel is fatal to prejudice and and whatnot. So Yes, it
1: shows how how similar we all are.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with me. I appreciate it. And if folks want to learn more or plan a visit, where should they go?
1: They should go to Gulf Shores or com. We'd love to have them. Perfect.